Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. If I were to ask you to take a survey this morning, and one of the questions in the survey was this, do you like it when you are mistreated? My guess would be most, if not all of you, would answer this question with a hard no. And if the survey also asked how to treat those who had mistreated you, I'm sure a lot of us would be thinking something in the line of, don't get mad, just get even, right? At least that's the mindset we start to develop when we're children, right? Remember that? You probably witnessed this either in your own children, through your siblings, former classmates, or maybe even in yourself. So let's say, for example, that a child is tripped on purpose by someone. The tendency here is to exact revenge in some way, shape, or form. Now, depending on the age of the child, the revenge might come in different forms like a bite, a punch, a pinch, or even a kick, right? It's understandable to want to retaliate when you suffer unjustly at the hand of another. Isn't it interesting how our sinful habits from childhood seem to follow us into adulthood as well? If someone ridicules you on social media, well, justice is a very well thought out harsh reply. When someone cuts you off in traffic, laying on the horn, or following them close enough to know that you're really upset with them, Seems to be the thing to do. If someone opposes your politics or your faith in the most loathsome or idiotic way, well, we proceed to tear them down with their own words. And sometimes, when people have wronged us, we even take them to court and sue them. Why do we do these things? Well, perhaps it's a desire to make others suffer as much as they've made us suffer. So our response and or actions are harsh and often not helpful. Or maybe, maybe just, maybe, we are impatient. We know God is holy and just. But we are unwilling to wait for him to enact justice. In the Lord's Prayer, we say, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. But when the king doesn't bring justice on our behalf in our timetable, we grow impatient and oftentimes take the matters into our own hands. We just don't handle suffering or mistreatment very well. 
But the deeper problem here is, whether we want to admit it or not, we don't trust God to be just. We just don't. And we show it each and every time we get even. And that's exactly the problem Peter does battle with this morning in our epistle reading. Taking justice into our own hands rather than placing it into God's. It would be good for us to be mindful of the vocations God uses to deal with evildoers. Let us remember that God has given us rulers and judges to punish those who do evil and reward those who do good. He's given us soldiers and their task of fighting evildoers and defending the innocent. But here in chapter 2, Peter isn't writing to rulers or judges or soldiers. He's writing to Christian citizens, people not all that different from you and I. And they're suffering. Oddly enough, those who put together the three-year lectionary didn't include one of the more important verses in this section that basically every commentary that I read on this had included, and that's verse 18. And I was pleasantly surprised to see Pastor Chris include verse 18 as well. Uh, in our reading this morning. Because verse 18 reveals to us that Peter is actually addressing slaves or servants in this section. And to our shock, he tells slaves who are being abused by their owners to keep on suffering. Servants be subject to your masters with all respect. Not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. What? Immediately the wheels begin to turn in our heads. That's wrong. If they're being mistreated, they should do something about it. Why not retaliate? Why not fight back? Or at the very least, leave. But Peter continues beginning in verse 19, to explain what he means with these words. For this is a gracious thing, when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing, In the sight of God. You want justice? Be patient. It's out of your hands. If you're suffering, keep on going. Sounds miserable, doesn't it? Not only do we have to suffer, but we have to suppress the raging sinful urge deep within us to pay back that person who has mistreated us. But here's the grace buried within this difficult text. You actually can trust God to bring about justice. And in your suffering, that's a powerful confession of faith. Let me repeat that. You can trust God to bring justice. In your suffering, that's a powerful confession of faith. And to solidify these truths, 
Peter brings us back to the only consolation to our suffering, the suffering servant, Jesus. Can God be trusted to get justice? Just ask Jesus. He trusted his father to raise him from the dead and proved it by entrusting his very life to him. He bore our sins on the cross, including the sin of lack of trust. And by his wounds, we have been healed. The music group for King and Country has a song titled Cease Fire. And it addresses the sin of getting even. In verse 2 it says, I will be the first to say I'm far from perfect. But grace was made for those who don't deserve it. So easy to cast the first stone. It's harder to search your own soul. No one ever wins when the goal is to settle the score. And then the bridge says this, Teach us how to live humbly, love unconditionally, transform our hurt into hope. Grant us your peace. Our Lord and Savior Jesus gave us a wonderful example to teach us how to live humbly and love unconditionally. He didn't sue or threaten or retaliate when faced with his suffering. No. How does Peter put it in verse 21? Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Jesus' suffering makes one thing abundantly clear. God the Father, the one who raised the suffering servant from the dead, can be trusted. For God delivered on His promise to conquer death and the grave through His Son, Jesus. That means we can be sure that He will deliver ultimate justice when His Son returns. And all we're left to ask and answer is this. What would it look like to actually entrust our lives to the one who judges justly? Well, I found one example. You might remember a few years ago on Palm Sunday, April 9th, 2017 to be exact, a suicide bomber detonated his explosive at the entrance to St. Mark's Cathedral in the northern city of Alexandria, killing 17 and injuring many more. Now consider the words of Christian Samir Afami, whose husband died in the bombing and saved dozens of lives. This is what she said. I ask the Lord to forgive them and let them try to think. If they think that they will know that we didn't do anything wrong to them, may God forgive you and we also forgive you. Believe me, we forgive you. You put my husband in a place I couldn't have dreamed of. And believe me, I am proud of him. And I wish I was there beside him. And just as telling are the words of the television host Amir Abdeed, who was speechless for about 10 seconds after hearing his colleague interview this woman. 
And the host said this, The cops, that is the Coptic Christians of Egypt, are made of steel. If that were my father, I could never say this. These people have so much forgiveness. But this is their faith and their religious conviction. These people are made of a different substance. I'm not sure if our passage today was running through the minds of those Coptic Christians. But I do know this. That sort of witness is the sort of witness that proclaims Christ. It is shocking. It is backward. But it puts a message upon everyone who inflicts suffering upon you that you don't need to repay evil for evil. Because you trust in a God who will deliver justice in his time. And so we ask one more time, what would it look like to entrust our lives to the one who judges justly? Well, it might get you killed. Just ask Jesus. It'll probably kill your pride. It'll change some of your social media posts, comments. It'll change the way you drive. It'll stop some lawsuits. It'll stop your mouth when you're about to say something cruel. And it's probably going to hurt. But to endure suffering for the risen and living Christ is a confession of faith in Him. And you can be sure that God will bring justice in His time and in His way. So keep on suffering in your beautiful confession of faith. And never forget, Alleluia. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, guard our hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.